Welcome to WPCast, the professional WordPress podcast for WordPress entrepreneurs. I'm Doug. And I'm David. And this is episode 17, Seven Tactics for Building Better Mobile Responsive Websites. What's been happening, Doug? Just recently launched the new Suitcase Entrepreneur site. And that's uh, at suitcaseentrepreneur.com. We'll link up to it in the show notes. And particularly... Uh, happy about this site and the way it turned out, especially with the mobile responsive design elements. Yeah, so the website looks great. And I'm familiar with the site as well, suitcaseentrepreneur.com. It's a pretty big blog, right? The Natalie, who's running it, she's got a huge following. Yeah, she's got uh, a lot of posts and gets a lot of traffic. Yeah, so, no, I think I think she also did a book last year. So so she's definitely got a good size audience. So this should be a nice piece for the portfolio as well. Yeah, Definitely. Nice. And we also got an email from a listener, right? Yeah. So we got Marcus Couch had sent us a contact form submission and he is uh, the co-host of WP Plugins A to Z and WordPress Weekly. So he's got two podcasts of his own. Yeah. And we're linking those up in the show notes. I was listening to WP Plugins A to Z after Marcus sent his email and yeah, it's a good podcast. There's a lot of interesting plugins um, that they're talking about there. And they've been around for a really long time. I think they've got more than 150 episodes. So they might have been around for, who knows, like three or four years. So definitely something to aspire to for us as well. So as I mentioned in the last episode, I've been making some progress with some of the plugins that I've been working on. And I just launched a new plugin called Ninja Forms Zapier. And what that plugin does is it's an extension for a really popular Ninja Forms contact form plugin. So Ninja Forms is, in my opinion, the best free contact form plugin there is for WordPress. I think it's really, really good. Um, it's definitely on par with Gravity Forms. And one of the things that Gravity Forms did that Ninja Forms wasn't able to do so far was to integrate with Zapier. So what we did is we built an integration and launched that. It's a paid product and you can find it on ninjaforms.com. And the cool thing about it is that using Zapier, you'll be able to send those contact form submissions to hundreds of web applications. You know, anything from like Dropbox to all kind of um, CRMs and support tools, like anything you can really think of. Pretty much any uh, SaaS on the market at this point is trying to get onto the Zapier ecosystem because they're so big and it's almost becoming a requirement for SaaS companies to be on there. We've also made some progress with easy pricing tables and we're just about to roll out a new version. And one of the features that I'm pretty excited about is that one of our most popular designs, which we internally call Design 5, um, it's more of a comparison table than a traditional pricing table, uh, meaning that there's a you know, left-hand explanation column, which might say, for example, like, you know, bandwidth allocation. And then like in the actual pricing columns, you've got something like five gigabytes, 10 gigabytes, etc. And one issue with those kind of tables is that it's difficult to get them uh, look nice on responsive devices. And, you know, we've come up with a solution for that. So going forward, this table is going to be responsive, which is probably uh, one of the most requested features we've had so far. Cool. Let's move on to the core of this week's episode so the topic is responsive design and building better mobile responsive websites. So let's get started with what exactly is responsive design. Responsive design essentially means that your site is going to look good on smaller screen sizes, um, especially mobile. And true responsive design is going to look good at any screen size. So uh, from the iPhone 
size to desktop screen size and every point in between. So I think at this point for new websites, if you're building a new site, it's an absolute requirement. So this is 2014. You have to build responsive websites at this point. So if you're not building them already, you definitely need to change something about that soon. So tell us a little bit more about the technical aspects of responsive mobile. How how does that work and what's the best way to implement it? So there's a few different methods. I would say the easiest way and the way that I that I do it and the way that we'll talk about in this episode is to use uh, CSS media queries. And essentially what this does is it specifies certain CSS code to only take effect at specific screen sizes. So you may have it for, for all screen sizes that are like 960 pixels wide and shorter, or you may have it for all screen sizes between 768 pixels and 959 pixels or something like that. So those media queries, which are the best way to build responsive sites, there's breakpoints or trigger points, which are those certain bits where if something is smaller than 960 wide and larger than 7680, for example, then apply this CSS. And some of the most common breakpoints, I recommend you just Google for an up-to-date list, but some of the most common breakpoints are a width of 960, which is a tablet in landscape mode. Uh, a width of 768, which is usually the minimum width for a tablet in portrait mode, and 320 pixels wide, which is usually the minimum for mobile portrait. So there's a lot of different devices and different screen sizes. For example, uh, the MacBook Pro Retina 15-inch is going to have 2,880 pixels. MacBook Air 11-inch is going to be 1,366 pixels iPhone 4 in portrait mode is going to be 320 pixels. So, you know, you can keep some of these sizes in mind, but there's there's way too many to, to base your design off of. So it's really just best to just make sure your design looks good on all screen sizes in between. Yeah. And so there's two different approaches as well to uh, responsive. One of them, the default is that, you know, you design the website and you design it for the you know, the computer screen, like the full width first, and then um, using the media queries as the screen size changes, you, you know, maybe start to modify the design or the layout, or you start to hide certain things. So that's like the default mode that you see most often these days. But there's also this other philosophy, uh, which is called mobile first. And that's actually how I built the Fat Cat Apps website. And what you do when you use this mobile first approach is you basically start with the mobile version of the site and then you start to add additional CSS for the breakpoints, you know, for the larger screens, for tablet and for desktop mode. So th- those are like different philosophies. You know, you can accomplish your design goals either way, but uh, mobile first is very popular these days. Yeah. Let's also talk, why, why should you do mobile responsive? Why not just, you know, create like a website, a completely different website at m.yourdomain.com or something like that? Well, the simple answer to that is you have to maintain two websites. Also, that M website is going to need to be responsive to accommodate different screen sizes anyway. So I, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to have two websites. Yeah. And there can also be SEO issues where you're having two separate websites with the same content and then there might be some duplicate content issues if you don't really, if you're not careful and if you don't know what you're doing. So there's just so many downsides to using that approach that you really should do 
responsive. That's the way to do it at this point. And, you know, more and more people are using mobile to view their sites. Screen sizes are getting bigger and it's just more and more common. So people are really expecting a site to be mobile friendly and, you know, that will impact your, your traffic and your engagement. Let's talk about the seven tactics and suggestions that we have for people wanting to build better mobile responsive websites. So the first one is that while you're building the websites, the easiest way to test how your site looks on various screen sizes is to simply resize your browser window um, using drag and drop and making sure that it works with various sizes. And uh, one thing you can do there as well is that if you're using Chrome developer tools or Firefox developer tools, then the tool will actually show you the actual uh, current width of the window as well. So you have an understanding of, you know, to what kind of device this would relate at this point. There's also a tool called modern.ie. It's a Microsoft tool where you can type in your website URL and hit the button, and then it shows you what your website looks like on various browsers on both desktop and mobile devices. So then you can see what your website looks like, you know, in the Internet Explorer on Windows 8 Mobile and in Safari on iPhone, etc. So number two, we've got uh, choose a theme that's responsive out of the box. So my favorite is Dynamic, uh, which is a Genesis child theme. And generally I find it's not a good idea to try and adapt a non-responsive theme. It's a lot of work. It's much easier to start with a responsive theme, even if it means rebuilding the entire design. And mobile site plugins, like for example, there's WP Touch, which is a pretty famous one. They're pretty limited and they essentially strip your site site's design. So I don't think it's the best solution. And it's definitely not a a replacement for a responsive design to just activate a plugin. Yeah, and that also kind of ties into us not recommending having a separate mobile site. So the third point is to use the RAMs as your measurement unit of font size in CSS. So instead of hard coding a certain font size, like 22 pixels, you want to use a RAM unit. And that will allow you to change the font size for elements based on percentage and the text will adjust accordingly. So that's just going to be easier when you're working with those breakpoints. Yeah, when you get to certain breakpoints, you can make the font size for the HTML element a little bit smaller. Like, for example, you could do 50% when it gets down to mobile size. Right. And if you have really large headings uh, that look great on, on a desktop or laptop, they're going to take up way too much space on mobile if they're at the same pixel size. So... Uh, using REMS will allow you to, to change these things without writing excessive CSS code. Yeah, so it's just going to be simpler than having to figure out the exact font size that you're going to need and then writing it in CSS. So number four, if you have a lot of items in your navigation menu, you should consider using what's called a hamburger menu on responsive to save space. And uh, for those who don't know what the hamburger menu is, it's the three horizontal lines right on top of each other that look a little bit like a hamburger. And you see this a lot on uh, on applications and, and websites where you know just to, to click on that and you'll see a dropdown come up. The fifth point is consider in hiding entire sections on mobile. So your sidebar, for example, what happens on a lot of WordPress websites when you're on the phone is that all of a sudden the sidebar goes to the very bottom of the screen and it might not even make sense there. So it might be worth hiding it. Or maybe you have some images that are made for large screens and just don't really fit into the whole concept of your page when you're on a mobile phone. So it might be worth hiding those images. So number six, 
uh, check elements that may have fixed widths, such as tables, iframes, and video embeds. If you have elements in on your site that have fixed widths or something like this, they may prevent your site from actually shrinking in size when reducing the screen size, so they can essentially break the responsive design. And so it's a good idea to check your pages with these. For example, YouTube embeds, I believe, are not responsive by default, but you could put in some CSS code for iframes that would take care of it. That's a good point. I actually just started to publish YouTube videos on my site, and I think they're actually not responsive. I need to revisit that. There's also a plugin called Advanced Responsive Video Embedder, uh, which you can use to embed your videos, and they'll be responsive using a shortcode, and you won't have to write any extra CSS. So number seven will be to use divs instead of tables when possible. So uh, in general, you, you only want to use tables for tabular data. A lot of people will use tables when you just want columns instead. And in those cases, you, you generally just want to use a div. So a div is more fluid than a table, and it's it's better you know for responsive design as well. However, you, you can make a table semi-responsive. It just requires more CSS. And essentially, at certain breakpoints, you make your TD elements display block, and then they'll, they'll take up the full width. It's a bit more work to do it, but I, I would advise just using divs instead of tables in the first place. That makes a lot of sense. So to recap, our seven tips are test by resizing your browser window, choose a theme that's responsive out of the box, use REMs as your measurement unit, consider a hamburger menu for the navigation, consider hiding entire sections on mobile, check elements that have fixed widths such as videos, iframes, etc., and use this instead of tables when possible. Let's move on to the tips and tricks. What do you have for us this week, Doug? So my tip and trick for this week is web fonts and icons. For web fonts, I prefer Google web fonts. They load pretty quick and there's a lot to choose from. And uh, best of all, you don't have to pay for them. And for icons, I usually go to Font Awesome for icons. Uh, the plugin I use, uh, Shortcodes Ultimate, has that integrated in. And there's a lot of good choices with that. Uh, there's also other good font icons out there. I would just suggest that you use as few fonts as possible. You know, if you load too many different fonts on the same page, that's going to affect your load time. So I try to stick with a single icon font if you can. Yep. And I recommend Google Web Fonts as well. I'm using it on my site. And I've also integrated Font Awesome with Easy Pricing Tables. So you can use the icons within your pricing tables using Easy Pricing Tables Premium. My recommendation for this week is ScreenFlow. And ScreenFlow is a screen recording tool which just makes it really easy to produce screencasts and to edit them. I've been recording a couple of screencasts explaining how some of my new plugins work recently and I'm very happy with ScreenFlow. So it's a little bit on the expensive side compared to competing products. I think it costs $99 or $100 but it's a one-time payment and you know, I think it's going to be useful for me for a long time to come and I'm very happy with the investment. That's it for this week's episode. You can leave a comment or voicemail and find the show notes with links at wpcast.fm slash responsive. If you like this episode, you can leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>